Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Titans win in Los Angeles last night. We recap that game and more over the final hour of Outkick 360. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Yeehaw beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and you. Glad you're here as uh, we talk the biggest win for the Titans to this point. Why? Well, it was a marquee matchup that showcased how they can win even without their most valuable player on offense and Derrick Henry and how they can maintain identity without Derrick Henry. Now, did they run it well? No. Was the offense good? No. Not even, not, not even close when you consider that no team in the NFL this season has had the amount of yards or the least amount of yards that we've seen from this Titans offense and won a game this year. The Titans did it because they are now finding a new identity. And that identity is on defense. And it's something that they have been able to rely on over the course of this stretch run since their loss to the Jets, uh, where even the, the Jets' offense wasn't great. They gave up some, what, four or five big plays uh, in that game. Aside from that, the Titans' defense in that game was okay. Uh, but since that game, they have been really good to great. And last night, they were dominant against an offense that's high-powered and that was frustrated. There was one team that played with poise, another team that did not. And the Rams were the team that, uh, I believe Dave McGinnis mentioned this last night, uh, I saw on, on Twitter, he said that the Rams treated this game pregame and halftime like a homecoming game in college, and the Titans ended up destroying their float. And that, that's exactly what happened. They took the air out of what was like a celebration for Sunday night football uh, in town. The defense, over the last two weeks, they have faced 146 snaps, this Titans defense. They have allowed just 664 yards of total offense. That's an average of four and a half yards per play. If you look at Kansas City, Indy, and the Rams, if you combine those three games, the Titans defense has been on the field for 214 total plays. They've allowed only 50 points and 4.6 yards per play against Kansas City, against L.A., and against Indy. And it was the Indy game that produced uh, the best offensive performance with Carson Wentz. What is the biggest reason for this change? It's their third down defense and their pass rush, Chad. They had nineteen, and, and that's they had to, they had nineteen sacks total last year. They have twenty four after last night. Right is now. it is it personnel changes? Is it development from let's say a guy like Harold Landry? from one year to the next now that he's in a, a contract year. I'm just trying to put, if you had to go through a list, Hutton, and say, you know, one, two, three, four, number one reason for this improvement, you mentioned third down defense, pass rush. What's the number one reason for that improvement in pass rush? Is it is it bringing in Danico Autry that helps free up Jeffrey Simmons? Is it Harold Landry's improvement? It's, well, it starts with Landry. Landry's been the most consistent player. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons is starting to flourish as an NFL player, he's, he's this year, uh, his pass rush and, and not even the sacks. I know he had a great game sack wise last night. Uh, the, the quarterback pressure, the disruption 
uh, is, is allowing Landry to help, uh, helping Landry do some things. Bud Dupree got in and batted down a pass last night. We're, we're starting to see him fit into this Titans defense. And then Autry paired with Simmons over the last month. Really, this the stretch I just referenced, that's when Autry has been excellent. That pairing is helping them rush with four, cover with seven, and that's helping on third down. On passing downs, they're not having to bring an extra man. They can, but they don't have to now because they can consistently disrupt the quarterback with four. They weren't doing that at all last year. They had 19 total sacks last year. And you got to put Shane Bowen on the list. I, I don't. It's hard for me to put him on the list of saying he was a problem last year because he was there. There would just be it was Vrabel more than anything being very unclear on what was going on with the defensive coordinator. But whatever the reason, he's got to be better this year, right? I mean, from last year, they gave him the title, but multiple times Kevin Byard said the defense isn't very coordinated. A year ago, not having those same issues. This year, and I know that Mike Vrabel doesn't want to talk about it and wants to downplay it. I, I, I tend to think Jim Schwartz is probably helping some too. Oh, I, I'm well. I'm, I'm sure we, there are instances of you know the wide pass rush helping with things that. Again, though, it, it, the interior of the defensive line is where they have really stepped up, and they are allowing yards, not points. This is this is reminiscent of the defense of. Three years ago, I'm trying to remember back, the 2018 defense that was exceptional in the red zone. And I mentioned earlier in the show, they lost to the New York Jets this year because they allowed touchdowns and their offense only kicked field goals. And last week against Indy, games against Kansas City, we saw it against Buffalo. The trend, including last night, the offense has got to the red zone and came away with three and not seven. And that's now imperative with an offense for the Titans that's down their top playmaker in Derrick Henry and down down the player that you can rely on. It's not it is about volume of carries and 30 plus or what however many they wanted to hand to Henry it really didn't matter. They they weren't counting. Um it's more about no matter what is going on in the game, meaning it could be 24 to 6 and they will st- trailing, and they will still turn around and hand the football to Derrick Henry. And I can tell you right now, if it's twenty-four to six, they're not turning around and handing the football to any of their current running backs. Well, that—that's that, what they it, have to figure was, out, and that's why the defense is so so important in this equation. Because again, their red zone defense is holding up and forcing field goals, not allowing touchdowns. Well, and it was never a bad play, even down twenty-four right. to six, to turn around and hand the ball to Derrick Henry. It was, was, an, was the, it was an explosive option. Yeah, was was always the biggest part of that. Um, I, I thought Adrian Peterson last night did well, given the circumstances. You know, I thought he was fine. I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement, obviously. He wasn't great, but I thought that he did okay, having just joined the team, you know, and, and at his age. Um, I thought Chris Collinsworth made an interesting point, and I, I saw it too. He was running very high. It said even down around the goal line, this is higher than Adrian Peterson normally runs. And that's probably the rust factor. He's not getting below someone's shoulder pads at any point. Everyone's getting up into his shoulder pads on every hit. And the Adrian Peterson he knows runs a lot lower than that. And that could be part of the rust factor. But, you know, offensively for the Titans and part of this figuring things out process, you know, A.J. Brown can't have those drops last night. 
And, yeah. he, and this is kind of a one out of every five or six game with him. He had one uh, of these games earlier this year. Well, where he's having a drop or two, even in really nice performances. And you see it early, right? I, mean, yeah. I feel like it's going to be one of his first two or three targets that he has an inexplicable drop, and that leads to two more drops in some of these games. And these were first down plays. These were all moving the sticks type catches. One of them was a catch and run opportunity also where he dropped it. It wasn't just he was going to catch it for a first down. He had a chance at a big play and just had a, a really bad drop. He's got to be better with that, uh, with all of that. Uh, it, look, again, this is a great win for the Titans, so I'm not taking anything away from that, but they didn't do much offensively. And Ryan Tannehill can't have a pass like he did for that interception. That was as bad yeah, as Stafford's. Bad. That was the pick six and Stafford's other interception that led immediately to a touchdown. But that, that was just a bad play. He's, he is... In the interest of everyone for the Titans having to step up without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill's first on that list. Now, he's got to be better than that throw. And, Chad, the biggest uh, – in rethinking your, your question about the Titans' defense and what has changed the most, they're more opportunistic than they were a year ago. Uh, they are plus seven in turnover differential since week four. Uh, since they returned back home from Seattle, they are plus seven in turnover differential. And let's just go through their big stretch here. Um, with their defense and how it's led the points. Because you're right, the Tannehill interception was before it was 14, uh, 14 points on the board for the Titans. It was uh, the interception led to only a field goal. They hold in the red zone, give up a field goal, and then score on back-to-back plays defensively. It was really two pick sixes um, where David Long has the interception thrown right to him from Stafford. Next play, touchdown. Very next play, pick six by Kevin Byard. Um, but plus seven since week four. They had the touchdown at Jacksonville to start the game. That was uh, defense. The Bayard interception against Buffalo that set up a touchdown to make it 17-13 Titans. And they had an 11-yard drive in that instance. They had two short field scores against Kansas City. And then last night, there was the pick six and then the, short, the very short field right before the pick six. The Titans and the Patriots are the only teams this season with three defensive touchdowns. That's it. They have their, their top five in sacks, and they have three defensive touchdowns tied for first in the league. That's the reason why uh, the defense is a, improving to the point where you turn around and you look and you look at the sheet and you go, how are they exactly where they are compared to last year? It's because they're taking the football away and they're converting on the scoreboard right afterward. And look, a turnover's a turnover. It doesn't matter how you got it. You got it. And if, yeah. you're, if you're that good in the turnover department in plus-minus – then you're doing something right. But I'll also say these aren't a lot of just fluky little fumble turnovers. This is the Titans forcing the issue. Going back to the Carson Wentz pressure in the end zone a week ago that led to the pick six Mm -hmm. for Molden. Going back to last night, the pressure in the end zone that led to the David Long Jr. interception that was a quick touchdown. Kevin Byard reading the out. That was a bad throw by Stafford, and they confused them. They went to a defense they weren't accustomed to seeing, and, and it completely confused Matthew Stafford. This is the Titans forcing the issue on defense, making things happen, and capitalizing when those mistakes are made. And, and that's, that's been refreshing to see this season. Didn't see that a lot last year. Tano had the really bad interception. Brown had a really bad drop early, and none of it really mattered. The, the Titans ran for only 69 yards. They rushed for 69 total yards. That's the lowest total for the team in a win 
since they had 72 rushing yards against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in 2019. For a team that the identity is run the football, run it well, get to that 100-yard mark, get to 120 on the road, whatever it might be, and here's your 69 yards rushing, running back by committee, and they won the game because their defense was excellent. No team has won a game this season with as few total yards as the Tennessee Titans. And and I want to point this out. Based on this description, it would sound like they won on a last-second field goal by Randy Bullock. This game was over midway through the third quarter. You could just tell the game was over because but, they were they the Rams were possessing the ball, but they really had no solution. They were going forward on fourth down, not getting it. Uh, they turnover on downs. They had the the step out of the back of the end zone. They had to settle for a field goal. They weren't even trying to push the issue in certain circumstances. McVay just kept kicking field goals on fourth down inside the red zone. Well, and it was amazing to see. You kept waiting on the Rams to do something. You know, I kept waiting on Cooper Cup to go crazy. I kept waiting on the big run, something big to happen for the Rams' offense, and the Titans' defense just never allowed it. I mean, they, they just bled the game out, and that's, it was a very boring second half where they, you know, the, the Rams got some yardage. They got down in, in field goal range into the red zone and couldn't do anything with it. They hit some field goals, but the Titans just sort of suffocated the Rams out of the game, which was... It was shocking to see from, to me, the, the Rams' end of things because I was just expecting something offensively to, to pop for them, right? And, I mean, you look at you know, total yards, it's out of whack. It's 347, but holding the Rams to 347? Well, but the fourth quarter, like there that, was some stat stuffing going on in the fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, they, they get that last touchdown yeah. in the end. But, I mean, that's... The, to me, that was the There's amazing... a lot of meaningless yards in that game. Yeah, that, that was the amazing part of it was watching... You just kept waiting for that other shoe to drop with the Rams offense to get something going, get some momentum, and make it a game, and it never happened. What did Mike Vrabel have to say after yesterday's win for the Titans? We'll get into that. Uh, of course, he's in a great mood. He, he actually was in a great mood today, uh, by all accounts. Well, we'll re recap what he had to say there. Set up the upcoming week for the Titans as they will now host the New Orleans Saints. Next three games, Saints, Texans, Patriots on tap for the Titans as they work through the offensive changes that are going on in their backfield. Uh, no offensive changes needed for the Tennessee Volunteers. Fantastic game in Lexington this past weekend. Great college football game as the Vols go on the, the road and win. And one key score in this game oh, yeah. that is the reason why they won the football game. We'll get to that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Titans win in L.A., Vols win in Lexington. As uh, if you, many of you watched the game, if you didn't, you should watch the highlights of this. It was outstanding. Key to the game for the, the Vols win, the field goal at the end of the half. Yep. They took over with I 16 seconds I was hoping you were going left. there, Hutton. I was hoping you were going there. It was not one of these 16-second uh, touchdown drives. It was the field goal at the end of the half that was ultimately the difference. 16 seconds, and they took over at the Kentucky 40 after a couple of drops for Kentucky. And yep. you're thinking, okay, they might try to get something on first down. If they don't, they'll take it to half. Josh Heupel went very aggressive. There was a, I think it was like a 12-yard play, 13-yard play, 11-yard play, 13-yard play. The last play, the ball was snapped with six seconds left. And the announcers were even saying, you have to kick a field goal or just go deep. 
I'm thinking it's going to be because that was way too deep of a field goal. Yeah. I'm thinking in that point, okay, they're going to take a shot to the end zone. It's going to be a Hail Mary to end the half. You can't get 12, 15 yards in three seconds. And they got 15 yards on an out route in three seconds. I think the Kentucky clock operator probably could have done a better job of some hometown what I was clock operation and let that thing tick and not have it with, I think, two seconds is where they uh, stopped it before that last kick. That was big. Uh, that was pivotal. Josh Heupel said, look, I, I knew my defense was struggling. I knew that they had faced a lot of plays and they weren't making a lot of stops. So I'm playing that game at that point. Like, if we can shift it a little bit here, knowing they're getting the ball to start of the second half, let's make that a 28-24 game after their first possession instead of 28-21. And uh, it ended up being the difference. Just some crazy stats. Hutton, we could spend an entire segment just rolling through the crazy stats that came out of this game that you don't often see uh, in, a, in a football game. 55 more plays. It was 99 <laughs> plays to 44. Tennessee had more points than plays. 45 points in 44 plays. 22 yards per pass was Tennessee's average. Kentucky with 100 plays, 600 yards of offense, and lost. This is the all-time Paul's Welcome, here. Paul. Paul, Paul made welcome it. Welcome back, Hello. yeah. Other hosts are back in town. Paul's made it back. Welcome <laughs> yes. back. Yeah. we got to get you a new travel agent, Chief. It's get just, you back early. Uh, it's, uh, it's just less likely to hit now. There was a power outage in the Phoenix airport. So we suffered, those of us that were supposed to be back in Nashville at an earlier time. But you missed Vrabel being in a great mood. Apologies for that. Was he Maybe in a great he was mood? in a great mood because you weren't there. That's probably, yeah. Did you affect his Let's mood? Let's not dis- discount maybe my part in that. Well, how could, he, uh, how could he not be in a great mood after last night? Well, he finds ways sometimes to not be in great moods after stuff. But, I mean, they are sitting pretty. I mean, uh, they, uh, you have to believe in in them right now and I, he's coach of the year candidate i saw somebody mentioned yeah. yesterday and i thought how could that guy be mentioned and Vrabel not be mentioned in terms of the tennessee game i mean this is an inside out game where uh, i've talked i talk about this sometimes like people talk about win time of possession and all of that and i say well you know what would be nice is if you can make all that irrelevant with these quick strike plays that the downside of that is your defense is dead tired the defense survives it. It was hard. I mean, a defense yeah. deserves an extra day or two off here. But the quick strike capacity was just ridiculous. I mean, this has to be historically imbalanced for how much the defense was on the field and how little the offense actually played. Well, and also, the defense, I, I'm amazed that Tennessee held on to win because they had just given up a fourth and 23 conversion. It's unbelievable play. Where Kamal Haddon, for some reason, he starts 22 yards off the receiver in a prevent, and the ball is snapped, and he runs six yards mm-hmm. back. So they just throw it to the sticks, and, and right he comes there. in and runs right in. I mean, it, he caught it for a first down and got four more yards after, as easy as you're going to see, uh, which is a very weird decision. But the good decision after that, Tim Banks, who his defense had a rough night, he said, yep, screw it. We're not going uh, prevent anymore. It was four straight blitzes. They brought five, 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 six on that final play and said, you're going to have to throw it quick because there's going to be someone right on you. And they got pressure and hit Levis on every play, including the fourth and 10 play that, that won the game as he decided to just blitz every play after giving up the fourth and 23, which was a smart move. We'll get into uh, Hendon Hooker and the Vols offense uh, uh, tomorrow on the show because there's a lot to dissect with what he's done since he has been uh, the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, no Derrick Henry at running back last night. The Titans' offense did not look good, uh, but their defense was elite against an elite offense and completely shut down Matthew Stafford. 
uh, and in that group uh, and manhandled. And that's that's really putting it lightly. Manhandled the Rams' offensive line. I mean, how are these guys, David Edwards and Brian Allen in particular, left guard in the center for the Rams? I, I, I wonder how they're in the league. Like, who's not beating them? I, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry were elite, but I think guys inferior to Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry should be eating these guys alive. Yeah. Um, they were just incredibly poor, and this is their weakness. I don't understand how they get away with it in the structure of this team where you give up the high draft picks like they do and you pay the big contracts for the veterans that you get back for these high high uh, picks, you've got to have some weak area. I'm surprised they choose for the weak area to be directly in front of Matthew Stafford. I know they get the ball out quick, all of that stuff. But the Titans found a perfect way to abuse the Achilles heel, if you will, of the Rams. And then the Titans had plenty of Achilles heels based on their injuries and stuff, and the Rams didn't do anything to attack uh, the Titans at tackle, for instance, uh, to make them suffer for their running backs who weren't gaining anything. Uh, I mean, the Titans right now just have, you know, that magical feeling about them. And Nashville and Middle Tennessee, I can understand, and there are a lot of people out there, Hut, are getting charged up and getting that feeling about themselves. You know, you don't want to say peak too early or any of that stuff. They just finished what made them the toughest schedule in the league, and they now go well, into I've, what makes them the easiest schedule in the league the rest of the I've life. Tried to, I've tried to uh, tamper down some of those expectations because I, I, this offense isn't going to be able to stick with the run the way they did when they trail in games. No, but they're not going to be facing anything defensively that has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey either. I mean, A.J. Brown should not have that difficult a time against – anybody else you would hope and um and the offensive line isn't going to be dealing with a monster like Aaron Donald the offense has obviously has to get a lot better than it did last night to me it was more about this this ability again to find a way given the circumstances presented to them on a given Sunday and and to to pull it out and now against New Orleans whatever challenges they present I'm not saying they'll take what they did last night translate I'm saying again they'll likely now well, the wise bet is that they'll figure something out and be able to find a way to win. I, I had this great long diatribe earlier of, you know, how the Titans have the best resume of everyone in the AFC and how, you know, I'm putting the Titans on top of the AFC right now based on their wins and their, they, they're 6-0 and against last year's playoff teams on their schedule and this and that. And then Hutton just dropped a bomb and said, okay, are you picking them against New Orleans? <laughs> I said no. Because yeah. that's... That's what's crazy about this right. team. And it does put, change Put them in a corner and tell them they can't do it. And tell and, and my, when Mike Vrabel has a chance in a big win. game as an underdog, they get creative and find a way to, uh, in this game, Paul, attack the Achilles heel of, of the Rams. And then they get a home game where you say, the schedule's now finally opening up where they could really do some damage. And they just don't look the same. And I said it going into this game, don't get discouraged about the Titans trying to find out who they are offensively post Derrick Henry. We still have no idea. Right. But After this game, we have no idea. I, I don't disagree with anything that you said, except they just did that thing where their backs were against the wall four games in a row in a month where we thought two and two would be really fortunate, or I did. And that they did it four times in a row is pretty spectacular. I don't it's, disagree. They have a tendency to fall back now. But like we've said, two against Houston, one against Jacksonville. Like, if you go through their schedule now, it's almost impossible. They're still going to contend for number one. 
Mm-hmm. It's hard for them, um, though. It changes in a week, right? You know, they lose. Uh, this week, almost everybody they needed to lose lost, except for Baltimore, and they won. Next week, if they lose and everybody else wins, uh, the the whole thing flips, well, and they're fourth instead of first, and everybody's like, ah, yeah, we're Titans. But that's, see, that, that's not me taking anything away from the Titans and their win. No, it's in terrific, that game, it's, terrific it's, win. It's, it's, it's me saying that they – they not they they had one game of figuring it out on offense and still whipped the the Rams. Well, they're figuring it out on, on offense. TV. Which the they, defense they, it, carried them. Yes, and figuring it out though, this wasn't a figure it out and lose by fourteen. They won going away while trying to figure it out, and here's they got the a game thing. under their belt doing that. Here's the other thing too, and I'm curious to, for your taste of the broadcast because I don't get any at all. They won on Monday night against the Bills, who were viewed as the best team in the AFC. They won on Sunday night at the Rams who were maybe not the best team in the NFC, but one of the three best teams in the NFC. Did the broadcast reflect that, or was it largely about the Rams and that losing at home and, and Stafford having a bad night and all oh, of that? Oh, it was all about Stafford having a bad But that was the theme of the game, though. The yeah. theme of the game was Stafford's terrible night and Jeffrey Simmons' dominant performance on the interior defensive line. Yeah, I did, that I, was the focus. He I, makes I didn't the Pro Bowl last were, night, probably. I didn't think they were unfair to the Titans or anything. They were also... Mm-hmm lauding the Titans on defense and being opportunistic. But, I mean, if, if, if you take your Titans hat off, I think you'd see that the story of that game was yeah. that should have been an easier win for the Rams. I mean, everyone except for Mike Tirico picked the Rams to win in their pregame show, and they were, they were bad. They were bad. The Titans made them. Made yeah, the them Titans bad. were good. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, the building is way too much. Like um, – Okay, what do you mean? Well, too, I mean, it's too elaborate. The stadium itself is too much fine. gold it, and it's Jerry, frankincense and myrrh. Well, the the stadium <laughs> is fine. Like it's comparable to Jerry World. It's Jerry World. They have what, their own hand soap. Jerry World is no is is what? 15? At Jerry World, they they have their own Cowboys hand soap and 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 towels to dry your hands with a Cowboy star on. They them. did not have that at least in the press area. First off, it's impossible to navigate. Impossible. I tweeted, I, I finally found my way in, but I don't think I'll find my way out. And Teresa cut and pasted it and texted it back to me. She said, please find your way out. Find your <laughs> so way out apparently of the hotel? I was, no, out of the, the, out of the building. Oh. So apparently, I saw your tweet. I didn't know what that meant. Like if you're getting out of L.A. No, or out no. of the stadium. The building. It so was so hard to get in. And the levels, <laughs> it's one of these places where the levels make no sense. Oh, you're, you're, you're on the oh, fifth floor, but yeah, it's like level you're on 11. The, you're on the fifth floor. You'll need to go down to level eight. And everything will be fine. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Makes no sense. But but there there is such <laughs> a big plaza slash concourse. Slash that, I mean, I'm sure they fill it with events. They had Isaac Bruce, Bruce's um, ring ceremony out there, but which would seem like a good event to have at midfield of your gigantic stadium. Instead, they have a whole separate thing out on this covered part of the stadium that's like another half of a football field that's covered that's like a cement nothing that I was wandering through in the middle of the night last night trying to find my way out of the stadium that seems to have like an occasional use. You want to talk about an area that's created that's used like five times a year and exists for no reason. I mean, Nashville would take that, that little part over there. There are two teams playing there. They're there every weekend. Is there a tailgating scene? Outside of that there was stadium? a huge tailgating scene that I drove through on my way that was very happening. I uh, see the stadium, and I think I'd really like to go see that stadium. And I see everything around it, and I think while it's beautiful and in Southern California, 
there's not a real vibe around the stadium. Logistic. Well, it's not it's like you go to in the middle of nowhere. You know, you go to I don't know Pittsburgh, and the stadium's downtown, and yeah, there's good like bars that. and restaurants around the stadium you can go to, then go to a game. I'm thinking if I go to that stadium, I'm just getting there three hours early and walking around the stadium. <laughs> I've taken the whole stadium for a while on the day of the game. There because was a nice Titans presence there. They paid decent there's dollars a big, There's for a big scout. group out in California, the Titans fan base, seriously, out in California because they travel to uh, one big game a year. Normally, it's the West Coast trip. So Seattle, L.A. Uh, would have been this year. Uh, last year, I believe it was Oakland that they went and visited. They've been in Arizona before, and they all like go in this large yeah. group. And my plane out and my plane back. They were they um, were cheering. I did not biggest, expect them to be cheering on the way back. Biggest celebrity you saw at the game on the big screen? Uh, they showed Paris Hilton, who I missed, but there were some other things. But they had uh, we didn't miss her. We Alex, saw her. Alex I, Felix. I didn't miss it. Was also there, honored uh, and given a little uh, interview. Allison Felix. Allison Felix. Sorry. The yeah. the track star. Yeah, the track yeah. star who is teeny tiny, like smaller than you ever could uh, would have imagined. I, Plus, I, they had the girl who interviewed her was tall, so it, she it made her look like uh, tiny. But she got a huge, and she's from L.A. If I'm not mistaken, she got huge. I immediately thought when they showed Paris applause. Hilton and her fiance, I guess it is fiance husband. I'm thinking, cool, cool to see Paris Hilton, but. That's the celebrity? Well, she has a show coming that up on one there? of these NBC. Yeah, promoting something? Exactly. And then they go to commercial, and I see a Peacock original mm-hmm. about a reality show that Paris Hilton's on. I'm like, oh, they gave her tickets in a suite so they could take her on NBC, show her, and then promote their How own product. How do we product. think that's going to do? I'm sure it'll do great. I mean, for all uh, people love Paris Hilton. These shows do well. Her mom's a big hit on Bravo. I know that. That's what I'm thinking. They're all more. hits on Bravo. <laughs> Yeah, if it's on Bravo, it's guaranteed to be good. They have, a, they have a Real Housewives of Potomac now on Potomac, Bravo. Maryland? Yes. And I'm thinking, boy, your franchise is doing well when you're you down to, to Potomac. Potomac Maryland. Yeah. There's money in Potomac. Well, uh, yeah, but most people, average Joe on the oh, street yes, in America is. doesn't know that Potomac <laughs> is in Maryland, is a suburb of D.C. Um, also, I, another funny little thing I saw was, uh, oh, the, the Titans have no – no regard for Michael Buffer or any announcement. The Titans had no control over when they kicked off. The referee put the football in play. That was the And therefore, they thing. kicked off in the game. It was not the Titans who said, you know what? Screw Michael Buffer and let's get ready to, you know, whatever his call line is. We're going to go ahead and kick this off. Uh, the referee put the football in play, so they kicked off. That's did, why the Titans started the game. It was a thing. Oh, who it, it cares? Was, it what was do you thing. need? You need my, to pay look, some my tribute? Mic just fell. Oh, God, you're so worked up. What, do the Titans need to pay some tribute to Michael Buffer? Hold on. Screw Michael Buffer. Well, I mean, that... that Go ahead, Jacob. Get in there. Don't Jacob, be shy. Jacob's Jacob's live the on the air fixing people. me here. Jacob. Uh, thank you, Jacob. Go ahead. Turn and face the camera, Jacob. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there he is. He looks great. No, Michael Buffer's, you know, was like, you know, know Rams fans, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know how much they're paying. I'm told that his little catchphrase, you have to yeah, pay 25, 25 or $35,000 per line. See, I prefer the message that the Titans said, screw you, Michael Buffer, and just decided to kick off when they weren't supposed to? Because well, that's there's what no you way do. they could. They, the ball has do. to be in play for the game to begin. Well, if the ref puts the ball down, you kick it. That's like my you're point. Saying. Uh, you're going to take a five-yard penalty? They did a very nice job with No, uh, what I'm Saffle. saying is I prefer this. Uh, that's, that, I know it's false, but I prefer the storyline that they said, I'm going to put the ball down, but hold on for Michael Buffer to give his salute. 
And then the Titans said, screw you, and kicked off anyways as he's doing it. I wanted that to be And that true. Bullock pictured Michael Buffer's face on the ball as he drove yeah. it into the end zone. That'd that was It was a very weird time. It's also a very weird thing to do. You know, one player, as you're kicking off for an NFL game. One player I wanted to mention here, and I wrote primarily about the defense, and I didn't even get his name in there. I thought Hooker, Amani Hooker, was terrific last night. He had a... a a couple. It was tackles. a great. Uh, I mean, it was everybody was pretty Chad good. Chad pointed last out night, the uh, hooker. I thought was Tom really solid. Tackle. That was. I mean, it, that's one that some Pop Warner coach is going to put on and show his kids when they're learning how to tackle. It was. It Picture looked like it was going to be a big play, and Hooker just heat-seeking missile went at his legs and perfectly form tackled. That set up the stop. That was a third down play. And then set up the stop right after. On a it night was where it's about Simmons and Byard and Autry, I thought that uh, Hooker was was you know played their caliber of football and was very significant. And listen, I know a lot of people want to put Jim Schwartz all over this defense, and that's fine. He's in there. We don't know exactly the breakup. The fact of the matter is Shane Bowen is calling the defense, and we crushed him last year. He got better personnel. He deserved to be crushed he, last year. Yeah, I agree. And he deserves to get some praise this year. But he's receiving it. Yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's what happens when you do your job. He, yeah, that's all I'm saying. He he, uh, That defense last night is unrecognizable if you compared it to last year and you said, this is the same defense one year removed with some new people and some new I, I can't – I will say this, though. I can't help but just blame Mike Vrabel for all of that last year. Yeah. That's his fault. He Shane Bowen happen. gets all the credit this year, and he deserves it. But Shane Bowen was not the D.C. a year ago because Mike Vrabel would not name a D.C. So as far as I'm concerned, Mike Vrabel's the bad defensive coordinator that was meddling too much a year ago, and now that Shane Bowen has the job, they're good on defense. Also, Schwartz. Well, Schwartz I, is helping. I mean, they gave him some players. There was no yeah, no hint the of personnel's a, of better a Danico too. Autry on that, uh, on that team last year. But, but I mean, that's... Hutton, that, how often did the front four... I mean, you're going to laugh. How often? Hey, they'll just rush four here and they'll be fine. Would I say that to you last year? You would laugh me out of the room. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had 19 total sacks last year. And they just they got, got they broke now. that last night. Uh, Sim- Simmons had 19 last night. <laughs> it felt like it, didn't it? I mean, he <laughs> was, he was, it was a great. Monster. They stayed in L.A. last night. They'd well, never flew back done early that. this morning. Yeah, they'd never done that in all of. Uh, the time that I can remember the, uh, outside of staying out west last year uh, uh, in Mike Who Malachi's was it that played year? out on uh, the West Coast? Not not the Titans. Uh, on, at Seattle recently uh, on Monday night or Sunday night. I can't remember who it was. It was the, it was the Pittsburgh? Russell oh, Wilson. Oh, I remember that Russell game. Russell Wilson yeah. finger game. Uh, whoever that was, uh, they, they also stayed out on the West Coast and then flew back the next day. So what they did was um, they stayed last night, flew back this morning, uh, coaches broke down the film of the win, and then on the flight back, the video crew handed out iPads, laptops, whatever the Updated. sponsor's name is, and they had film on the Saints with the game, not, not the full game plan, but the idea of clips for position groups to watch uh, on the flight back today to, to make the most of the flight. Idea of rest. I wanted to save this maybe for primary complaint, but we've done it before. Uh, you know, we're looking for unity in America, and it's hard to find anything that unifies people. I unified a plane full of people today when, when two people, really? Jacob's laughing over there, two people. Uh, <laughs> that was not Jacob. Uh, sorry. Jacob no. doesn't laugh at your jokes. Two no. people. Uh, again, this is becoming an epidemic. I don't know why this has started all of a sudden that people don't know how to get off planes. Um, they came from the back of the plane 
forward. Please, please tell like, me you like made it Like we're exiting a bus. Oh, I, I, I did the whole thing. I, I said to the woman, this is not how this works. And she said, how does it work? And I said, you stay at your seat. Maybe you stand up and get in the aisle if you're in the aisle. And then everyone gets out in an in a organized fashion. This is one of the last things that exists in society where we all agree and behave appropriately. Well, that in sports. And people around me are all getting riled up. They're, they're excited. It's, it's, I'm like a preacher in church. Um, and they're like, what would you have us do? Go back? And I said, yes, we would all have you go back. There is one. one the Titans did take an L last night. And it was the Titans fan who was punched and knocked out cold. Oh, I missed this. Uh, in the in the stands, there's always a good, at least one good knockout fight, KO fight in LA. There was a Rams fan who delivered a blow to the temple of a Titans fan who fell face first down a flight of oh, no. steps. Oh. Um, I'm not. I mean, there are a lot of ledges in that place too. Huh? Yeah. May yeah may may uh, may he rest in peace. <laughs> based on Is there he a video looks, of this, he looks very sleepy a, after a that report. punch. Uh, yeah, I'll show you guys. Something will uh, break we'll, down in we'll, time. We'll tweet it I out. I like when yeah. we break down fights. Also, when we come back, uh, Hutton said that there was probably an ultimatum in Lincoln, Nebraska today to go with this announcement on Scott Frost. Well, uh-huh. uh, I can tell you that uh, his coaching staff took an L today also. Okay. That news it's has that not been reported. that season. We've seen I, that. I said, Florida, I said Nebraska. if you agree oh, to no, take he's... a cut or there's some reduction that you're going to be guaranteed well, back he... as you begin November – you're making I think, you're, you're making a, you're agreeing to a certain stipulations. I think Scott Frost said it's either going to be them or me, and it ain't going to be me. <laughs> Bye, that's boy. What, that's hey, what it's he been nice working with you. Yep. I was it, glad to bring you along for some time, and that time is over. On that thanks, there there have been many a, coach, many a coach who have refused to do what Scott Frost did on, on, on behalf of their staff, and they've all gone. It's either you go with everyone or you stay and everyone goes. Scott Frost They're turned, lose either uh, way. turned state's witness. Okay. He, he rolled. He yeah, rolled on his two people head coaches said, I'm, I'm not going to prison. We saw two head coaches in Nashville end on these terms, Mike Munchak and Mike Malarkey. Uh, and one, one quick uh, mention in the final segment, there is a player who talks a lot of trash that needs to not talk anymore about facing the Titans. That's next on Outkick 360. There's one player that does a lot of talking not much success against the Titans, Jalen Ramsey, who's also a player that can have two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, stay in the game. They made up rules as they went last night. They sure did. Official-wise. Jalen Ramsey's now 2-6 and six throughout his career against the Tennessee Titans. Is it, is it ter- And hey, here's, here's another thing. You don't want to fight A.J. Brown. No. I would not want to fight A.J. Brown. No. A.J. Brown, though, also, if he's going to say that I'm not going to get suckered into a fight, or suckered into jawing with uh, Jalen Ramsey needs to not do it because he told Michelle Tafoya and others, I know exactly what his game is, and I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not that player. I don't, I don't use my words out there on the field. I'm going to go play. And then he's getting, uh, but he's getting into a fight Post game, he says, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to fall for it, but I'm also not going to stand by and let you talk a bunch of trash. Uh, and he, he didn't retaliate after the first penalty, which was an unsport. It was announced, and it's in the log. It's in the game book as an unsportsmanlike penalty. And the ref in the second half said, uh, "We the, the first penalty was uh, personal foul. Personal, they changed it. Yeah, it was uh, so unnecessary rough. Is it Terry something. McAuliffe is the NBC rules yeah. analyst? Yeah. yeah, he hated these refs. They would he, not. Here's where I did not like Chris Collinsworth last night. I'm usually a Chris Collinsworth defender on broadcast, and everyone else hates him. I think he does a good job. He did a terrible job last night when Terry McAuliffe comes on and says they asked him about that. He said." It was called an unsportsmanlike conduct. It was announced unsportsmanlike conduct. So I don't know what just happened. And then Chris Collinsworth just laughs. So, well, I, well, those, you know, that's, 
These things just—I mean, there was no conversation about what just took place. No one knew at that point. The ref—I mean, ultimately, the 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 lead officials in charge of that, um, and Vrabel was pointing it out. Well, I was like, hey, that—that's two unsportsmanlikes. He should not. He should then be at least at least come back and say that's them making a business decision that we're not ejecting Jalen Ramsey on this football. type of play from Sunday Night Football. At least state it. State the obvious. Don't just laugh it off. Oh, well, that's that, that's weird. Terry McCauley also said that they they um, on the kickoff, or is it the punt or the kickoff, where initially Vrabel accepted the penalty and they were going to re-kick from the from 50. The 50. Um, McCauley was like, the coach doesn't have an option. He has to re-kick. He doesn't get the chance to go half the distance from the goal. And like they went they half did. the distance. And they went half the distance. They yeah. allowed him to assess the penalty that way. That's weird. And look, A.J. Brown may have said the right things, but A.J. Brown caught five of 11 targets for 42 yards for an 8.4 average and dropped two third-down mm-hmm. passes. So he walked in and, and was in a very downtrodden mood and said that um, Ramsey won that matchup. And Ramsey did win that He didn't that win matchup. that matchup. <laughs> Look at the well, scoreboard. Well, he had an intercept. Well, no. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't win the that game. Would be... But he won the one-on-one matchup. I mean, A.J. Brown did not have a good night. And, no, he did not. And Jalen Ramsey had a pick and and pretty much eliminated A.J. Brown from being a big factor on the offense that didn't have a good so night. So you're saying he, he, got, he won the mental game. Yeah, I think he did. Quickly, and I think A.J. Um, Brown was upset about it for how everybody was maybe. upbeat after that game last night and A.J. Brown was not. You would have thought A.J. Brown lost. And he was talking about it like, I'm not going to take bleep. But and I, I'm not going to get into the mental game or whatever. He has my number. Well, Jalen Ramsey has no reason to call A.J. Brown. He, he just spent three hours delivering his message to A.J. Brown. By the way, Hutton, you're right. Terry McCauley. I said Terry McCauley. That's the former Virginia Ma- governor. I was yes. confusing the two names. Terry McCauley. Al Michael stepped in and said, this is also a bad night for the officials. They were talking about a bad night for Stafford. said, let's be fair. Also, not a great night for the officials. Right, Terry? And they went back to Terry, and he was silent. Yeah. And that's what Colin was starting to laugh his, also, that he's, he didn't say a word. Not betray his people. I will say. But also his silence is deafening. The Titans. He knows that it was bad. On a, on a night where the offense wasn't going to carry this team and they needed to win the little things and everything, they won the penalty game. The Rams were way less disciplined than the Titans. Rams. Rams were 114 very, year, yards or something. Of very uncharacteristic. They only averaged four penalties per game coming into last night. They, they had four they in like sloppy. the first quarter. And uh, McVay kind of blamed himself for – not having them ready, et cetera, et cetera. It was viable, the things that he were kind of he was saying. And and Stafford, you know, didn't have a full practice week either with with uh, back, right? Neither, so, did, neither did Jeffrey Simmons. No, you're absolutely right. It was Ultimatum Monday in Lincoln, Nebraska. Announced earlier Scott Frost will be back in twenty twenty two, but they restructured his contract to take money away and lower the buyout if they fire him in twenty twenty two. Also, uh, and you said Probably an ultimatum on some assistants that have to go. Uh, it appears that Scott Frost did not stand in the way of that. Nebraska effective immediately. Offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach Matt Lubick, offensive line coach Greg Austin, running backs coach Ryan Held, and quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco all fired. Effective immediately. A lot effective of assistants just got promotions. Mitch Sherman, who covers Nebraska, said, obviously this is going to present quite a challenge this month in games against Wisconsin and Iowa. Scott, they no longer have any of those coaches. Scott Frost is going to be working extra hard well, They've for got less GAs. Money. They probably got GAs who just got promoted <laughs> yeah. to work uh, alongside these players. That's these pretty harsh groups. to get rid of them like right now. You need the bodies. <laughs> you, need to, you need to go 
You need to run practice. I mean, I, I take it that's also Scott Frost not being able to go back to his guys and say, hey, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Let's just finish out the season. And he can't say that with a straight face, knowing he just agreed to all these things for him to come back in 2022. So you go ahead and pull the bandit off immediately and say, sorry, guys, you're out. You're the sacrifice for me to continue. Fun times. Coming up uh, throughout the week, plenty of uh, Titans and Vols analysis. Also, uh, tomorrow, NFL chats with uh, John McClain and much more. We'll get into that. We'll continue to assess the SEC uh, and setting up a stretch run for Atlanta. Hope you'll join us then. We are back at it. Two o'clock Central. Well, look, it's Three dark Three o'clock outside. Eastern across don't, the Outkick Network. Don't you do it. Don't you block the box. <laughs> and don't you lock the uh, – do lock the locks. <laughs> no, don't lock the locks. Tonight, change it up. Leave it open.